That was awesome, guys. Thank you very much. Um, so tell me the states again that are listening. Arizona is listening on live. Florida, Kentucky, and Honduras. Hi, everybody, if you're listening. So God's already used this for good deals that we could bring in people and be a part of our service. So that is really awesome. Also, um, just thinking about that song and the Lion of Judah reference, and we were praying this morning for the service, and one of our, our uh, House of Prayer members prayed about the Lion of Judah walking in our midst here in the building. I was like, amen, he is. He, he's got us, and he's over us. So, um, I was reading a story about a woman named Lily Leonardi, and she was sharing a little bit of her experience in uh, 9-11 when that happened. She was an FBI agent, and she was an early responder uh, to Pennsylvania, where United Airlines Flight uh, 93 crashed, went down. And she arrived at the site about three hours after the crash happened. And she was struck by a number of elements, as you can imagine. Uh, some, uh, most of them were frightful and hard and, and difficult to experience. There was one that startled her, and she decided not to share it, at least for a time. In fact, in, in her own words, she was concerned that her co-workers, if she shared this, her fellow FBI agents would think that she had lost her mind or a few marbles loose up there. She said, I started to see in the sight these shimmering lights, and it was kind of misty, and that's when I first saw the angels surrounding the site. She said, and I didn't say anything to the guys because you can imagine if, if, if I had said that, I just saw angels at the crash site, they'd, they'd call the office and have me removed, um, that she'd lost her mind, tell her to go home. She continues, she says, the, the angels that I saw, they were dressed as if they were in warrior garb like Roman centurions. There were so many of them, you couldn't see their faces. She continued to see these flickers of light. She said, each angel was seemed to be guarding the crash site. Though she had remained silent for a while, she decided to start ta talking about this and risking being ridiculed. And she said it was her hope in sharing her story that the people would know that God was present during 9-11. I was reading that and had a sense that that is so reassuring to know that God, especially in these um, big areas and, and times of stress and strain and difficulty, we may not always see it, but God is present and at work. 
I was wondering, what do you make? How do you handle, how do you process stories like that from Lily Leonardi? How do you take that in? I want to suggest that, that Christians in the United States, like the wide vast of Christians in the West, you could say, in Europe, including that, that many times we experience those stories on what I would call a sliding scale. That, that our, our culture of the West, especially our, our educational culture and system, has really taught us to doubt or at least have bring a high uh, skepticism of anything, any story that is beyond our five senses. That, that's beyond the, the, the physical, that, that is beyond our, what we know to, that we can see uh, scientifically or be tested. But if there's a, a story from the, the supernatural world, from the spiritual realm, that we wonder about that. We have a, um, a dear uh, young woman uh, who's been coming to our kingdom courses. She's a, a friend of someone, and, and she admittedly, she says, I'm not a Christian yet. Well, I put the yet on. She said, I'm not a Christian. And, and so she's been in these classes, and uh, she's been learning. She's been reading. She's been answering the questions, which has been so fun, um, and then when we were praying for one another, I asked people to pray for me, and she said, can I pray for you? And I'm like, yes, I'll take all the prayer I can get. And so at one point towards the end of one of the classes, I said, what's holding you back? And it was so interesting, her response. She talked about some of the, the more supernatural stories in Scripture and she said something along the lines of, I'm not used to thinking that way. I'm not used to approaching and seeing the world that way. And, and I was, uh, said, so yeah, that, that makes sense because whether we're Christian or non-Christian, we've been trained to have a high degree of skepticism, including when we read these stories in Scripture. But I would listen now, I think this is important. Part of what I believe is holding scripture as truth, holding scripture as the revelation of God eternal is allowing scripture to shape not only how we see God and understand him, not only how we to shape how we understand ourselves, and the physical world around us, but is allowing Scripture to shape how we see the spiritual realms, how we see heaven and hell, and angels and demons. I want to encourage you this morning to bring that openness, to approach the pages of Scripture with a desire to allow God to shape our view of the world. There was a, a survey done a number of years ago by the Institute for Studies of Religion at Baylor University, and, and they, they took, they, it was a survey based on 17,000 questions, um, I'm sorry, 1,700 uh, folks, and just calling, and they asked all these questions about 
uh, angels and miracles and divine revelation. And here was the results. I found them very interesting. That when asked the question, do you believe you've been protected from harm by a guardian angel? What do you think the percentage was? 55%. Not too bad. Not too bad. When asked, felt called by God to do something? 45%. When asked, witnessed or experienced the miraculous or a physical healing? 23%. Heard the voice of God speaking to them? 20%. My desire is that our congregation would be much, much higher than all, in all those percentages. But further than that, that this world, that as the kingdom of God increases, all of those percentages would increase. I, I believe God wants to bring a renewal of his kingdom and draw people into those world views. This morning, we're looking at a passage of scripture. We're continuing in. Uh, our, our study of the book of Daniel, and we are in Daniel chapter 10. Pull out your Bibles um, at home. Pull out your Bibles. You should have no excuse of forgetting your Bibles at home. And, and we are looking at a passage that um, there are occasional passages in Scripture when you read, and it's like the curtain is pulled back, and we get to see through the thin veil between the physical realm and the spiritual. This is one of these passages of Scripture. It's a powerful passage of Scripture happening. Daniel has, uh, last week, we, we looked at the, the revelation that was uh, given to him, the, the 77s and the timeline of the Messiah. So, so Daniel's been re receiving visions and dreams, and he's been incorporating, understanding these. He saw that the time of exile was going to end through Jeremiah. And now that exile, uh, the return of the exiles to Israel and Jerusalem is happening, and yet the state is pretty bleak. And so he's probably mourning and meditating on scripture in light of finally what, was, what God said would happen, that is, his children would be allowed to return to the promised land. And yet things are pretty bleak, so he's, he, he's lamenting, he's, um, he's repenting on behalf of his people. We pick up the story, this is in uh, probably 536 B.C., and it says this, Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel. Yet another revelation. This will be the final one of the book of Daniel. It was called Belshazzar. Its message was true and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine, touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three uh, weeks were over. I don't think he was using any back antibacterial soap at the time. But he's mourning, he's lamenting, but he's fasting, he's mourning for a purpose. He's seeking the Lord. 
verse 4. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen, with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. Would you just imagine, I mean, just use your mind's eye for a moment what Daniel would have seen. He's on the Tigris, and there's this powerful glory, this glowing coming from this messenger of God. Probably, I would assume, because angels were told when they're messengers, they're in the presence of God. So he's been in the presence of God, and the glory of God is blazing from within this angel. So much that it's like flames on, in his eyes and, and burnished bronze. He's like bursting with the glory of God. His face is like lightning. I wonder how Daniel will respond. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. They didn't see it. His companions didn't see it, but they felt it. They felt the glory and the presence of God that was being mediated through this messenger So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left, and my face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep and my face to the ground. So Daniel is so overwhelmed, he just face plants right in front of the vision. The glory of God. You you can't blame him, right? I, I would assume all of us would be right next to Daniel, face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, we've seen that before, other translations, I really like, Daniel is greatly loved. Daniel, you who are greatly loved, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up for I have been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come in response to them. But the prince, of the, uh, 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 the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. While he was saying this to me, I bowed with my face toward the ground and was speechless. Then one who looked like a man touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and began to speak. This could be Gabriel, who had come previously and talked with 
Daniel. It could be Jesus, the Son of God. We're, we're really unsure. We don't have any clarity on that. But it's another messenger, another spiritual being that touches Daniel, second time now. I said to the one standing before me, I am overcome with anguish because of the vision, my Lord, and I feel very weak. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone and I can hardly breathe. Again, the one who looked like a man touched me. That's three times now, right? Because Daniel is just needing help because the glory of God is blazing so profoundly through this messenger. He gave me strength. Do not be afraid. You who are highly esteemed, greatly loved, he said. Peace. Be strong now. Be strong. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. Lord, speak to us. So he said, do you know why I have come to you? Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go, the prince of Greece will come. But first I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one supports me against them except Michael your prince, and in the first year of Darius the Mede, I took my stand to support and protect him. Okay, we're not even going to get to the vision this morning. It's a long vision, it's entailed, but that's where we're going the next couple of weeks. I just thought it would be good to take and slow down and just look at this interaction that Daniel has with this heavenly being, with this angel, and begin to understand and open ourselves up to what is God saying to us? What is God trying to teach us? Why did they take a whole chapter of the book of Daniel to share about these interactions, to, to pull this curtain back and let us see in the spiritual realms what does God want to teach us and how does he want us to live our lives and pray our prayers in response to some of these truths. The first one is this, is look at verse 12 again. What a beautiful statement about the purpose of the why of the angel. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them, the one first important truth that this passage teaches us, that not only is there a God in heaven, but that heaven responds to our prayers. Heaven hears our prayers. Heaven cares about our day-to-day -day activities and our lives. God knows us and loves us and our prayers matter. God is inclining his ear to us and he hears our prayers reality, and that God not only responds in numerous ways, but one of the ways that he responds to us, to our prayers, is sometimes he sends these messengers full of his glory to protect or communicate 
or watch over us. Hebrews 1.14, the inspired author, asks somewhat of a rhetorical question. He says this, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, I, but yes, they are. Who are the people who will inherit salvation? Look at your neighbor and say, that that's you. So who are the angels supposed to minister to? Look at your neighbor again. Yes, there's this activity, this interaction that, that God, part of the role of angels. Probably a primary role is not only worship and adoration and part of the, the heavenly adoration of God that happens, but also messengers that they are on assignment for you and for me. My dad, who was dear saint, and I believe absolutely is in the presence of the Lord uh, right now, might be listening in. I don't think he has to use live stream, uh, but he might be listening in here. So um, I'm, I, I think he's going to get a, a smile on his face when I share this story. My, my dad was profoundly influenced by liberal theology in the 20th century, and he did not believe in demons or the devil. And we would have conversation after conversation uh, about these and, and, and wrestle about this. And so one conversation, I said, well, Dad, do you believe in angels? And he said, hmm, I want to go with probably, but I'm not sure yet. I said, okay, all right. Do you believe that if they're created beings that they have any free will, the ability to choose to follow God or not follow God? And my dad knew where I was going. And he said, hmm, I guess I don't believe in angels. I said, no, that's the wrong direction that I, I'm trying to get you into. He, he was wrestling with this idea of the supernatural. And, and there's so much testimony, I want to suggest. There's tremendous testimony outside of Scripture that testifies to the spiritual realms. And I would argue that testify not only to the, the good in the spiritual realms, but also the bad or the evil, that if you're paying attention, if there's an openness in your heart and soul, that our experience will eventually affirm those uh, what scripture teaches about the spiritual realms. And if our heart is open, not only scripture, not only our experience, but those trusted others and witnesses that give testimony, especially through the ages. John Calvin, right, uh, the grandfather of Reformed theology, he said this, the angels are the dispensers and administrators of the divine beneficence towards us. They regard our safety, undertake our defense, direct our ways, and exercise a constant solicitude, which is care or concern, a constant care or concern that no evil befalls us. Yes, there is mystery. Yes, we won't know how, we can't cross all the T's and dot all the I's, but we can trust scripture, we can trust our experience, we can trust the testimony of others, and then we can respond 
to the spiritual realms about us. I used to wonder if we really did have a guardian angel. Do you ever wonder that? I thought maybe that's just like pop Christian culture that's kind of there. I, I think there's some biblical testimony towards that. Uh, Psalm 91:11. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. I do believe now that he gives assignments to particular angels. I've had the experience, um, many of you know, when I first came here, I was really wrestling through tremendous difficulty and pain and struggle, didn't know if I would continue in ministry uh, through, the, through a divorce. And felt led and called and affirmed by the leadership of the church to stay here and continue to preach. Well, I'm preaching, and I ain't gonna lie, it was tough to continue to minister in, the, in that difficulty. And, and one, uh, one Sunday afterwards, Marilyn Henny, many of you know, hopefully she's watching in live stream, she came to me and said, Eric, there was this massive angel standing behind you. I get a little choked up. And his, his, his hand was on your shoulder and he was, he was supporting you and I'm pretty sure you would not have been able to stand without his hand on his shoulder. I said, can you give me some details about him? She said, well, he, he, he looked like a, a Roman sh- sh- soldier. He had, a, he had a shield. And and I said, how about weaponry? Did he have any weaponry? She's like, a spear. I was like, okay, I was hoping for a sword, but a spear... <laughs> is good, right, and this protection. And, and a number of times she'd come back and say that, and then, uh, and then a little bit later, Veda came to me, double-check this with Veda to, to make sure, and she said, Eric, I'm seeing this angel behind you standing, and he's big. I don't think you knew Marilyn had told me that. Big, and he's this guardian, right? I had uh, two other people later in the successive years go, Eric, you need to know that I saw this angel behind you standing. I said, what did he look like? How about the weapon tree, right? So spear again. Pete, another part of our house of prayer, came and said, Eric, you have to know there's this angel. Okay, God, I skepticism removed, doubt removed. I believe and I'm so thankful and I want to be mindful that God knows and cares about our individual struggles and our anxieties and our difficulties and he, he, he hears our prayers and he responds to them even sometimes sending a messenger. Our God is good. Our God is full of grace and mercy and blessing. So that's a part of the spiritual realms, and we need to believe that and hold on to that. That just like in the times of Daniel, just like today, also 
He is working and hearing our prayers and sending help and support even when we don't see it. I have not seen that angel yet. Maybe sometime he will grant me the ability to see that. I would love that. I'd be willing to face plant in that. Now, there is another side of the spiritual realms that oftentimes is neglected by Christians and neglected by our culture especially. And that is that all things in the spiritual realms are not good and are not of God. This passage teaches that very specifically, that yes, uh, heaven responds, but we also see in this glimpse that hell disrupts in this world. Hell disrupts. In fact, that's the key element where the, the, the scriptures are talking about these aspects of um, the prince of Persia and the prince of Greece. It seems as you look at these passages that they are thwarting what this messenger was trying to do. Let's read that again, verse 13. But the prince of the Persian kingdom, he's probably talking about a demonic prince, resisted me, this is the heavenly being speaking, for 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, good angel, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia, bad. So you've got this, and then he goes on, look at uh, verse 20 again, where it says, so I will return to fight against the prince of Persia, and when I go, the prince of Greece will come again bad. That there is a kingdom of heaven, that there are agents of the kingdom of heaven, but there is also a kingdom of darkness, and there are agents of the kingdom of of darkness. How do we understand some of this in this glimpse that God is giving us? Oftentimes the Apostle Paul has a, a few references in his epistles to rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. And oftentimes he's referring to the enemy. Seems to suggest that there's even a hierarchy within the kingdom of darkness. And this angel, this messenger, was referencing that hierarchy. Ephesians 6, when, when uh, um, Paul is encouraging us as Christians to be mindful of the enemy, he says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. If you only remain there, if you just see our struggle against flesh and blood, that's not good enough. That's not the biblical worldview of the spiritual realms. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We need to hear these lines and take them seriously. We need to be mindful 
that the enemy, though he is a defeated foe, he was defeated by Christ on the cross, he is still at work in this world. He's still plotting. He still has schemes. He's trying to counter the work of the gospel. He's trying to counter our lives. God's love and desire is that we would thrive, that we would experience intimacy with God and love with God, that, that we would experience his favor. And the enemy has an agenda, and that agenda is completely contrary to God's, that we would not thrive, that we would struggle, that we would um, fall under the weight of this uh, things like addiction and depression and anxiety and fear, divorce. You know all those things. That's the work of the enemy. Friends, if in your worldview you exclude the enemy, then you're going to end up assigning a whole bunch of really bad things to God. And that's not what Scripture teaches. Can, can we take, for example, the COVID-19 or the coronavirus, or some online ascribing that work to God, and I believe that this has the enemy's fingerprints all over it. When it's stirring anxiety and fear, when it's stirring loss of life, you can bet the source is not heaven, but the source is hell. But praise God that he's promised to take all things, even things that have their source in hell, he'll use it for good. We don't know how, we're not for sure, but he'll, he promises. Famously, years ago, C.S. Lewis is an author, he wrote uh, a well-known book by Screwtape Letters, I would I would recommend uh, the read. It's good. It's entertaining. But what he does is he tries to frame a communication from Screwtape, who is an uncle demon, and his counsel to his nephew, Wormwood, about how he can keep his human that he's been assigned to in darkness. And listen to some of the counsel of the uncle demon to the nephew demon. He says, there is nothing like suspense and anxiety for barricading a human's mind against the enemy or against God. Did you hear that? Let me read that again. Again, this is, this is a, a screw tape demon counseling nephew how he keeps his human into darkness. There is nothing like suspense and anxiety for barricading a human's mind against God, against the enemy. Is that applicable counsel for today? He wants men to be concerned with what they do. Our business as demons is to keep them thinking about what will happen to them. I think we need to think in these terms. We need to understand the events of the world in these terms. That this is not just about flesh and blood, 
but there's spiritual realities that are happening in our midst. Now, um, I think we need to take our stand against the enemy. I was thinking of this passage from uh, Jesus' ministry when the disciples were trying to do the stuff. They were trying to drive out a demon and they couldn't get it done, right? And they come to Jesus and say, Jesus, what's going on? How come it works for you and not for us? And, and again, this is another passage that just a little glimpse through the veil. It says, because of the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. But this kind, demonic kind, does not go out except for prayer and fasting. Oh. I don't get it all together, but I know my faith matters. I know I want to be praying for the increase of my faith and trust in God. I know that my prayers matter. I know that my fasting matters. What Jesus is saying incredibly is somehow the spiritual activities that we do in the physical realm connect to the spiritual realm. That somehow we should know and walk that we are not powerless. That he's granted power and authority to us. I know when you look around, that's pretty incredible, but that, that, that's what Scripture teaches, right? To us, us Walmart shopping regular people, right? He grants power and authority to us that we can weigh in on what happens in this world. So if heaven responds and hell disrupts, humans can pray and fast and pay attention. I was thinking about um, the story of Jacob's ladder when Jacob has this dream, and it says in Genesis 28, 12, he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching the heaven, and the angels of God were de ascending and descending on it. I like to think of an elevator. I'm sure it wasn't an elevator, but I like to think of a elevator, right? Why, were, why are angels descending and ascending? Because they have ministries to do in this world, in your lives. God is sending them in response to our prayers and our fasting and our faith. He's sending and those angels are descending and ascending. They're on assignment in that way. Again, the inspired authors of Hebrews says this, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. I want to up my game of hospitality now because I want to see that. The, the point is this, is that God wants us to know that we are not powerless and blind in the midst of what's happening in their, this world, including on a grand scale. 
that he's empowered us. He's filled us with knowledge and understanding. Not, not fully, not, not complete, but we get to weigh in and pray. And our prayers matter. Our fasting and devotion matters. Our, our, our faith matters in a context like the coronavirus. Without looking at your text, do you remember how long Daniel was mourning? Three weeks, good. Do you remember how long the angel who came to Daniel was wrestling with the prince of Persia? Twenty-one days. Do you think there's a connection there? I'm thinking there's a connection there. That Daniel's mourning and prayers and fasting made a difference in the heavenly realm. I wonder if Daniel on day 20 was like, God, you're not hearing my prayers. I think I've been like that. I'm going to leave you with one more story. I asked my kids if I could share this story. It's pretty personal to us. They they granted me permission to do that. So many of you know that lost my uh, ex-wife, their mom, Luke and Cambria's mom, biological mom, um, almost a year ago. It's going to be a year pretty soon. And so... As you can imagine, tons of pain and, and, and sorrow and shock, unexpected. And, and so they're working through this. They're, they're, I, I know that many of you pray for my kids. Thank you. Can please continue to pray. I, it's hard to imagine losing mom at such a, a young age. They're, they're walking through that. They're progressing through that. A couple weeks ago, my brother... My older brother, he sends an email and he says, uh, listen, this might have just been a dream, but I, I feel like I had this experience of their mom. Her first name was Wendy. And we had a conversation about each one of you. And here it is. It's a paragraph of each one of us. Now, th- there is... A, a little bit of, of humor behind this because um, my brother, he, he was the one that struggled most with the whole situation, was filled with anger, right? And, and the fact, I, I do believe it was her, that she was restored in heaven. And, he, and the fact that her assignment was to, to him, I think the Lord had a little bit of chuckle in that, Right? So my brother had to wrestle through some of that to really hear. And then the words that he shared in the paragraph, each one to Cambria and then to Luke and then to Kendra, my wife, and to me, we laughed that on my brother's best day, he couldn't have written these, these sentences, right? The, the beauty and the love that came is restored. And when we read this, all four of us, 
we just wept. It was the goodness of God. It was the, it was the grace of God. It was, it was life understood from an eternal perspective. It was life understood from a spiritual realm perspective. It was believing that though there were mistakes made by people, that we are restored and renewed in the presence of God, that she's restored, and the voice that she has now in the lives of my kids is good and godly and holy. It's the grace of God extended beyond just what we can see and touch and the five senses. I believe, especially right now, God is calling us in the midst of this pandemic to put the, the spiritual lens that the scripture teaches us and about the world around us. Can we pray together? I'm not going to invite prayer, people forward for prayers just because of our social distancing there. So, um, But I want you to simply pray. And I want you to do this one thing. I want you to come before the Lord. I want you to start with your life this morning. I would love if you began to pray for other people in this way, but would you start with yourself? From a perspective of the heavenly realms, I want you to think about assignments. Let's start with the more negative side because I want to end with the more positive. But if there's an enemy that's still scheming and still plotting and he's wanting to advance the kingdom of darkness into your life in opposition to the kingdom of heaven, what do you think his schemes are or assignments. How has he been disrupting your life? Fears or anxieties? in your relationships, in your marriage, in your physical health, in your emotional health. Would you just take a moment, you get to pray against that. You get to pray against any spiritual oppression in your life. 
Would you take a moment just to pray against any spiritual oppression that you are experiencing? you take a moment to think about God's assignments, his particular assignments he has, assignments of love and restoration, assignments of the alleviation of fear and anxiety, the assignment of healing and restoration. the assignments of revelation and knowledge. You know, we get to pray in cooperation of those as well. Would you pray in thanksgiving? Would you pray for an increase in all of those? Deacons will be in the back with uh, baskets. If you want to drop your offerings there, just pay, uh, uh, give online. If you're comfortable, do you, would you hold open your hands? Those live streaming, hold open your hands. Our physical posture oftentimes reflects our internal posture, right? Yeah. Right. So if we're like this, sometimes that can reflect not the best thing. <laughs> like that. So Lord, we trust you, Lord. We don't understand everything, Lord God. We don't see everything, Lord God, but we, we trust you, Lord God, that you have created both the physical and the spiritual and you are over all things, Lord. Would we walk not simply with the physical in mind, not simply as people with five senses, would you give us that sense, that spiritual sense of your manifest presence, of the way in which you're working, of your good in our lives, of your voice in our lives. Would we walk in that? Lord, would we also walk shrewdly with an insight that we have an enemy of our soul and yet in confidence that he is defeated, Lord, would you help us to walk, to avoid his schemes, to flee from his influence, Lord God. 
We love you, Jesus. And we pray all this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.